Hello and welcome to Hume Sessions. I'm here with uh, Michael Simic, our regional representative for Music New South Wales uh, around Goulburn and the Hume area. Uh, how you going, Michael? It's good to be here. Nice oh, to chat to you guys. I, I know. We're sitting in my uh, my lovely music room at my house. Michael was driving past, so uh, he decided to drop in on his way to a gig in the Highlands. That's right, yeah, 100% homegrown uh, concert tonight in Barrel. It'll be awesome. And I'm just looking at your drum kit here and kind of wanting to play it, to be honest. <laughs> I'm like, it's the frustrated drummer in me. I was a drummer as a kid, you yeah. know, and I'm like, oh, I'm so busy, I reckon I could really do with hitting the kit and getting it all out of the system. Uh, I should record you and just get like a, <laughs> get a, a Fargo-esque uh, theme song for the Hume session, Hume whatever, Hume conversations, that's what we're calling it. There's I too like many it. new names floating around. Home, so you're going on 100% homegrown tonight. I, 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 for some reason I assumed it was one of your, per, like your personal gigs, but your no, emceeing for 100% homegrown. Yeah, which is an initiative from Highland FM with and, and Music New South Wales support it as do uh, Southern Tablelands Arts, Southern Highland News, a lot of folks. And, um, you know, we'll, we'll try to rub Hume Con into it as well. Yeah, that'll be the best. <laughs> well, it's just a great opportunity to showcase artists from around the region. Started as a, a thing on the radio to have an Artist of the Month program, which is an ongoing thing. Then Adam Stokeld, who's the um, uh, manager of Highland FM, said, why don't we do a concert? Now, this is the second one, and they, you know, people are buying tickets and coming, and it's good, so, you know. Yeah, yeah they've had some... So, they've only had one previous to this, and then they're hoping that it's going to happen every... Well, because there's an Artist of the Month each... Um, clearly, every each month. month <laughs> as, as the more stupid people might have worked out. Then a concert every three months with three artists. Uh, but, you know, the, it, the idea is to be able to move it around the region as well. So, yeah... Um, Look out, Goulburn. <laughs> uh, one concert a month in different regions would be pretty great. Yeah, it'd be uh, really good. So, uh, you you have been involved with their program heaps, or well, what, how, well, how did really, you interact with them? Sure, to give you a bit, a bit of, as a regional music officer with Music New South Wales, my job really is to try to serve musicians and industry in the region. So, see what people are doing see what's working, what's not, where they might need support, find out where that support can happen. And a lot of the job is facilitating relationships. So it's, you'd be familiar with that yourself. It's a lot like, oh, blah, meet blah. You both want to do a thing, you could do it together. So in, in a way, you'd think that that happens naturally, but it doesn't always. And so I've been doing this job the last three years as a part-time job. And really, uh, prior to that, full-time musician my whole life. So it's been a a change, learning to have a job that's not being on stage, <laughs> but at the same time, because I'm experienced in music management and booking and all that relationship building, that's all gone straight into informing the job. I guess it's why I got the job. And uh, so it's just been really nice to see over the last three years the way that the region has actually really grown, you know, and, and I mean, you can clearly see it with Hume Con with Jackie Smith at the helm now and uh, I guess relatively new um, teachers like yourself and that they're bringing all these skills from out of the area and I think it really just generates more energy people get excited I think if it's a combination of local and people coming from out of the area but who are excited about being there it leads to good things happening I 100% agree with that HumeCon's doing really cool stuff and and Maybe three years ago, I yeah. think I was made aware of your position. Is yours? Is it an? Is it a relatively new idea to have a regional music totally. New South Wales representative? Yeah, this has been a pilot. So it started with three of us: um, uh, 
basically Music New South Wales has been around for a while. That when how can we better serve the regions? For years, um, the org had, and it's a not-for-profit org that is funded through Create New South Wales and APRA, but it's not a government org. So we have to report because we get funding, but ultimately it's quite a flexible not-for-profit. So uh, our director was looking at how can we better serve the regions. So we're doing some youth festivals, have been going for years, but didn't seem like enough to actually build build artists and industry in the region. So they basically, off their own bat, funded a year pilot. Um, and I ended up getting the job for Southern Tablelands Highlands. Uh, a guy called Sats Kramer got southeast, so south coast through to the Kuma sort of area. And then a woman called uh, Phoebe Pinnock uh, got the job based in Wagga, sort of covering Wagga, Albury, and um, up to Snowy Valley. So our area is sort of all interconnected, which was just kind of lucky that I didn't think they meant that, but we were just the candidates they wanted, you know. So, um, uh, and a lot of people applied for it because there's a lot of people out there with skills. And um, but but ultimately, it was a pilot. We had no idea if it would be effective. We we kind of had to just start going out and having meet and greets. Fortunately, we started what mid 2019, which was before COVID was a glimmer in any of our yeah, eyes. Yeah. So the fact that we could get out and actually have face to face meetings in the first six months was awesome because mm-hmm. then the next two years has been like ravaged the music industry in the worst time on record ever since the music industry has existed so it's good to have had some valued relationships before that and so your zoom calls at least you've met the people (laughs) but in a weird way i think our jobs have been more helpful than ever during covid because we've been looking for opportunities or trying to build new opportunities where so much stuff's fallen away so so yeah, the Create New South Wales ended up funding the program for another two years, and for the last year we've had four more regional music officers, one in based in Orange for the Central West, one based near Bellingen for up around that area, one based in Northern Rivers, having a hell of a time at the moment, and then one also based near Tamworth, that sort of region. So again, we know there's more of New South Wales to cover, it's a matter of money really, you know. And But um, the program's been great, but it has always been a finite length, so it's coming to an end at the end of April, but something else will grow out of that. So what that is, we don't know. But um, but certainly some great stuff's come out of it. And so it's kind of doubled yeah. in size, and then it's coming to a head. Yeah. At, at what this this year? Like yeah, yeah. Well, literally, oh, yeah, yeah. It's going to end at the end of April. And, yeah. But you know, we have a Sydney office, and they they have all the, all the con content and, and kind of uh, relationships we've built they've got all that stuff on file and in fact we've been bringing them into meetings so i don't know what will happen in the future we've worked a lot with uh, the regional arts development offices you know the rados around here rose mar and southern tablelands arts is great even a few of our regional music officers work for the rado as well so there's this really great relationship with the rado if you don't know it they cover all of the arts so it's a big job so we've picked up collaborating with them to cover music more so yeah, I don't want to pontificate on what will happen, but it's not like... Well, the positive, I reckon, is that the region, this region thriving like it wasn't... that like I couldn't see three years ago, you know? And that's not just down to me. It's down to a lot of factors, but the fact that I've been able to hit, be here and see who's doing what and connect, help connect those people, I feel like I'm leaving at a time where things are in a really positive place where it can all continue on it's happily definitely without an up, Yeah, it's definitely <laughs> an upswing, I reckon. Yeah. Um, the... I mean, it's often so hard to step outside of the work that you're doing mm. personally, whether that's teaching or, or um, trying to put on programs in your local area, mm. trying to um, establish yourself as a musician or, or a performing artist yeah. or a writer or whatever. And having you 
being there, being able to come to you and going, hey, this we want to create a community to promote some music business within Goulburn. You go, oh yeah, there's this guy over here in Barrel that's going to come in and talk to you, and I'm going to come here from um, Canberra Ways, and and we're all going to create this what started off as a, a little idea for this little place, it's actually opening up um, and across your whole region. I think that's a, yeah. I think that's a super important thing that has been missing. That just the the ability to to connect to the communities around you. Well said, really well said. And I think there's been a, a feeling in the past, often with a lot of artists, that if you want to take your music seriously, you're going to end up having to move to Sydney or Melbourne. Mm. Well, maybe another big city, but it's probably Sydney or Melbourne. And I, I, I think that's changing. We, I mean, I think something we've really hoped is how can, how can artists and music workers be resourced enough in the region they're living to remain there rather than leaving once they develop the skills and you have another gap and there's no one with those skills anymore. But to go, well, clearly you can't necessarily make all your money as a musician out of living in that area. But to be honest, not many Sydney, Melbourne or Brisbane or... Adelaide artists make all their money from their city. They tour as well. So mm. our whole thought is, well, how can all the regions interconnect through... We're working with all our colleagues all the time to see what's going on, so we kind of know what's going on there. And one of the one of the great outcomes that'll come out of this program that'll be launched before it finishes is the Regional Touring Network, which is something we've been working on for ages. But we, we kind of had to keep it just to the side during the worst of COVID because it didn't make sense to launch a regional touring network website when no one can play shows, <laughs> you know. Mm. But now the thing, there's a real concerted effort for things to come back. The, the, what, we've just been the, the user testing on a website at the moment, which is basically going to be all through all the seven pilot regions we've been working in throughout New South Wales. And it's got a map. It's got up upwards of 100 venues on there from small kind of, you know, 80 to 100 capacity places through to kind of two, 300, through to kind of bigger six, 800,000 capacity places. So kind of three tiers there. And this, you can basically build a tour that's got all the contact details and basic tech details, the venues, a few pictures, human cons on it wow. with, with a couple yeah. of your rooms. And, uh, and the whole idea is that artists or agents can look at this and go, I want to do a tour. How can I make sustainable inter-regional tours? And, um, Often one you might know one venue here or one there, but it's hard to connect the dots. And there's been a way for us to well manage the website, but uh, well, Music New South Wales will manage the website, but but it's really up to people to use it. You know, we'll keep it updated. Yeah, no. So it's it as as the music industry becomes more kind of individual because you used to have to go to a, a promoter or a, yeah. or a booking agent to go and they would book your tour for you and yeah. stuff and and as it becomes more niche as it has been mm. where you can record in your own room and you can create your own music and those sort of things and then you have to develop your own audience with social yeah. media and those sort of things now yeah. you can you have a a singular place where you can go and look at to book a tour and that yeah, well, and, and the hope for this, I mean, fingers crossed it'll work well, and, you know, you're still going to have the same old things. Some people communicate, some won't, you know, it's up to... Yeah, yeah. We're, we're, well, what we can guarantee is that all the venues on there consider original live music part of their core business. They're passionate about it. Mm -hmm. We haven't put venues on just because they do gigs sometimes, you know, yeah, so yeah. been quite specific in the venues, that, and we've had a good dialogue that they want to be part of the RTN, and... Mm -hmm. um, and the hope is that it can keep growing, that this is the beginning of something that can spread to cover all of New South Wales, maybe beyond. You know, we have we have sister organisations in every state, Music Victoria, Q Music in Queensland, etc. And you know, 
I know that Music Victoria has picked up the Regional Music Officer program and they started doing stuff in their own way, but inspired by what we've been doing. So we all we all kind of share the good ideas <laughs> that yeah, come yeah. up, you know. <laughs> we didn't know if it was going to be a good idea, to mm. be honest. And it's not like it's always easy, you know, but it's, uh, it's been really satisfying, you know. And as an artist myself, to see other artists get to thrive through it and to see... I don't know how you feel, Gaff, but there's a lot of people writing songs around, but sometimes they don't know where to take their stuff, or they go, well, I better do covers, because that's what people want, but circling around to the 100% Homegrown program, Highland FM recording original artists in their live studio, and also playing that artist's, you know, other recorded work, like, as their main... When you're artist of the month, you're the main artist that gets heard on that station the whole month, which is kind of unheard of for independent artists throughout... You know, um, the history, yeah, 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 throughout ever. Well, maybe yeah. you can go back to Elvis or something. Yeah. You know, I almost look at it that way. You go, you look at Sun Records, and you know, ridiculous. Elvis, Johnny Cash, um, Carl Perkins, Bo Diddley, or, or and Harlem Wolf, a nuts amount of incredible artists on this tiny little record label in mm-hmm. tiny little studio in Memphis. But Sam Phillips just believed in original music, and I read a book about. It. In fact, he wanted to. He really wanted to record original black music. That was his thing. And so he recorded other people because he didn't yet have a market for black music. Uh, well, he hadn't found it. It yeah. was there, obviously. Uh, but um, uh, it's fascinating to think, you know, if the things that we're learning that we've forgotten from the early eras of rock and roll and pop music, which was quite regional. It was like all those artists were playing on regional compilation shows in regional areas, building up a following, <laughs> you know? And so I'm not saying... That you're going to be the next Elvis. Yeah, you're, you and know. you're the next Memphis Records. <laughs> well, that'd be nice. I, I'd love to. I'll just smoke a big cigar. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's great. So, fr- from an artist perspective, when do you think you are ready to go and start maybe booking a, a regional tour like this? Yeah. I'd say one of the things that's key, and I know that it can be really easy to overlook it as an artist because you what you are first passionate about is making music and sharing mm-hmm. it with people, right? But I, I can't stress enough the importance of just actually having stuff to represent you, yourself well. And if you don't have an EPK, and if you don't know what an EPK is, just Google it because <laughs> it's an electronic press kit and you really need one. And it's not it's not scary and weird. You could probably make it in an hour or less uh, if you've got a decent photo, half a dozen points of what you've done. And if you haven't done a lot, just say, I started playing guitar when I was 10, or I started playing singing when I was 25, but I found my true love, or whatever. But it, you know, it's basically like a really short bio, that, and if you've got music, it's got your links in it. Basically, it's good to remember that everyone is busy, and anyone running a venue, even if they really love music, they've got a lot of stuff to do with staff rosters, and uh, ordering booze, and managing a kitchen, and... Plus being hassled by every single muser that wants to come and play there. Well, I think that's a reminder, and because we're not talking, because these are regional venues, it's not necessarily a city venue that's got a dedicated booking agent. Some some Mm. do, but some don't, and... uh, so I think making it easy for people is going to get you gigs. And the way to make it easy is to go, hey, I'm really keen on a gig. Here, here's a link to my EPK, and it's one sheet, and that basically has a bit about what you've done, some, some snippets or reviews if you've got one, one photo, you don't need 60, you know, uh, something about a new release. And um, uh, 
but you can you can see online how to make them. We've also done workshops in them, and we're going to be doing more. So, um, uh, that stuff can I'll, I'll share that with you through, for the students at HumeCon. But um, but I think having that back end just makes it so much easier because people don't say, "What are you doing?" You're like, "Well, I kind of it's kind of bluesy, kind of reggae folk. <laughs> I don't know," uh, which might be awesome, but but it, but it's just simplifying it, and then it's I think it's then it. I think also valuing yourself is really great to go, what I've got is of value. It takes a while to build, maybe towards the fees you want to get, but there's a baseline. That, and all, all the venues in the RTN understand that artists need to be paid for their work and whether they're doing guarantees or they're door deals, but they're working together with you, you to promote it because everyone does better if that happens. So I guess it's remembering that it's a relationship and it's not like, give me a gig, it's like, we're doing a gig together is my mindset for the mm. gigs that I'm working with the venue and they're almost as collaborative as the members of my band is that if we all do our job well, we all get a really good return that we have a great night, everyone there loves it and we all get some money from it, you know, and then we can keep doing it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> of course, of course. All right, yeah. How, how important do you think uh, the, a body of work is behind you in those... Even just starting off, like how, how, how much work do you think you should have put in before you go, I'm ready to go and take a band on tour? Yeah, that, that's a really interesting question. I think there's certain things you can only learn by, by, learn, by doing them. Mm. Like, so you can't practice being on tour. Mm. You just have to go on tour and learn how to do it, right? Yeah. I think the great thing about interregional touring, say you're based in Goulburn and you can go to a gig going to Barrow for a gig or Braidwood for a gig on the South Coast, that is going on tour. I think people sometimes think, a tour, all oh, right, so that's like 40 <laughs> dates in a row, you yeah. know? And tours like that currently don't even exist because mm. the market's so, you know, fragile after, well, still in COVID, but, you know, uh, but mini tours are fine. And, uh, you know, one thing we've done over the last, um, since mid last year has been through all our regions curating, curating Spotify playlists of original artists from the areas. And, they will be linked on the website for the Touring Network too. So you can actually listen to artists in your area and try to connect with them. And I think a great way to, to remember is that it's all about relationships. So it's not like, oh, I'm a tour warrior. I'm going to go on tour. I'm going to go here. Because you can often go and no one knows you and no one locally is getting the word out. You can play to five or ten people and it's a bit soul-destroying. Now, you're going to get some gigs like that and some of them will be great. Those five or ten people will love it and they'll tell more for next time. But, <laughs> but ultimately... If you can try to hook up with other bands in that region and say, hey, I really love, if it's a sound that you feel resonates with your stuff, I'd love to do a gig with you. How about I come to, you know, Bermagui and do a show with you and I'd love to invite you up to Goulburn and do a show at a Crookwell or whatever. And, and we, we hope that the Touring Network can help artists build those relationships where you sometimes don't know how to do it, but it's... I'm not saying it's easy, but there are some simple things like the EPK. It's also like, hey, if you've got someone locally, whether it's a band you're playing with or a local person who's putting out your posters and telling everyone about it, who's a mate or who's really into your music, it's kind of essential, I think, and it, it's essential anywhere, but talking regionally, it's essential to people going, oh, I'm going to go out to that gig tonight rather than sit at home and watch TV or be on the socials or go to my friend's party. I really really like metal and I'm going to go to that gig tonight or whatever it is that it is and um yeah I have a few mates that are so keen that gigs are back open so they can go and see their metal shows or their folk shows or actually yeah. just go and sit in a pub and listen to some music and yeah yeah and a lot of people yeah. I'm surprised if music's good 
A lot of people are less genre specific than you think. If yeah, you actually yeah. good, that's a silly word to use. If you if you if you're passionate about your music and you put it across well, and that, that could mean you're a big showy performer, could be you're a nervous performer, but you really care. It's not like there's one size fits all. You know, some people might be super buffs of whatever, but I'm always surprised. You know, I live in Braidwood, and you know, I see all sorts of people at my gigs or at other gigs that uh, surprise me. You know, and so it's always good to remember that, you know, in a regional area, that if you really get your show out there, who knows what could happen. Yeah. Well, um, when I was in high school, I used to live in Tamworth, hmm. and there was like this niche um, metal scene there with a just this hardcore following. And so there, there, would, there would be like 80 kids, and it was just the same kids at every band that came through. And the... Even though, like, I'm not, I, I don't see it and listen to, like, death metal or anything, but going to see those artists perform and, mm. and doing what they love mm. and start to talk about it and, and presenting the showmanship that's required for a, mm. a heavy metal show mm. is, is one, of the, it's one of the most incredible things I've ever seen is mm. those, those bands working together, and they were only... 18 or 19 yeah. or something yeah. and uh, and being able to play while you headbang and doing the doing all the, like <laughs> synced moves and all those yeah. sort of things and, so good and, uh, in the country music capital as well in I the country it, music it capital it kind of makes you a real yeah. outsider yeah. it's great <laughs> so all the, all the fans that. would be like oh we can't we can't see a metal show at the MP. we gotta go to the, the youth centre yeah yeah and, uh, but but it was quite incredible and I think that links in with what you're saying is mm. that, that even though you don't have to be a uh, enthusiast of that genre, you can still appreciate a live performance. I, I reckon, and, and I don't know if there's any anything good that's come out of the whole COVID thing, which obviously has affected a lot of people in different ways. We're just talking about how it's affected music. Um, is that I, I, I hope that people will be a little bit more supportive of each other, you know, because mm. I think most artists I know would like to be supportive and yeah. be supportive of others, but sometimes it, I think sometimes people get concerned that it's not enough to go around and it can lead to People just being, I think it can happen in any level of any industry of just being individualistic. And I don't think anything happens in the music industry without collaboration, you know. Mm. And uh, so it's that remembrance of, of, you know, you thrive when others thrive. And I think remembering that rather than sitting in your room and kind of having dreams that you'll be the biggest <laughs> thing, going, you know, start building relationships and reaching out to people mm. and things will grow. And slow growth is actually good growth. You talk about the bushfires here and the, and the, before we went on this um, chat and uh, nature grows back slowly and it grows back robust. And I think we kind of need slow growth too. Sometimes when it's all fast all the time, it just, we... Uh, head spinning or if we don't get that we think we're a failure it's like building a building a following for your music takes time and uh, the more you put that time into it and are respectful to your fans and kind of keep communicating with them and artists and venues you work with the more that will actually build throughout your life and it'll be something that stays with you rather than something that's just f for a year or two you know yeah i i remember being very anxious when I first started performing in, in venues and it was almost like an imposter syndrome that, uh, yeah. that you, you kind of not, I, I've been in the cover scene for a long time, nearly 10 years now. And just, just those first few gigs when you don't think you're good enough or you don't have the right songs and you don't know how to work with crowds and those sort of things. It was, uh, it was always super intense. So I'm, and it's, it's only kind of just in the last five years or so that I've really started to 
be able to connect with uh, a manager of a venue or a, or promoters or talk to people within the music industry without it feeling like, hey, I'm begging you for stuff and I don't really deserve it. And It's really good you mention that because it's yeah. hard to say that stuff and I reckon everyone suffers from it. Yeah. Like, you know, um, people often talk to me and just think that I'm just ultra confident, you know, because <laughs> I've got to talk. But uh, it's like... I. All the same things, and also having done this my whole life, you know, I've been playing gigs since I was 15, 16, and I'm 52 now, so it's been it's been my creative life, and my love, and also my career, which is, I feel so lucky to have had that, but I, I still have to hotwire those same feelings, you know, and I, I think it's just, it's such a big gap between... Um, writing a song and that very personal thing and then that fairly intimate thing of you might you might be a solo performer or a duo or whatever or that intimate thing of also working it out then with a band the rain how it goes and you have to try to sell that it's it's a completely different skill to writing or being a good musician and not everyone can do it all well some can some of us can learn it i know at this stage what I can do, but it's really bad for me to do that actually mentally, you know, if I do it over a long time, it will actually wind me up and I'll get over it and I'll be resentful. And I'm like, you know, they're the jobs you have to pay other people to do, Mike, because you're good at a whole bunch of them, but you can't do them all. And it's all right to, to try to learn how to do them all. And then to just have a good look at yourself and go, okay, how could I get someone in to help with this bit or whatever? And you know, kind of thinking that this is going to be some manager who's going to say, you're awesome, I'm going to make you big. I think, I think a lot of us still have that delusion as well, you know, and I have to always hotwire that too and go, you know, 3,000 songs get released to Spotify every day. And that's just one streaming channel, you know? And, um, uh, 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 and that's fine. That doesn't make our songs not important. But uh, it's just to go, let's be realistic. I'm not going to get heaps overnight without a whole lot of them. But like, like anything in the music industry, it's like... You know, the more you invest in publicity, you, you get exposure. So if you don't have that, that capital to invest necessarily, you've got to invest it in relationships. And where's the best way to start building relationships? Around yeah. the people you know, and then just actually let those ripples fan out and start to reach out as you get confident further. It, it, there, it's not like there's a, a, an equation. If there was an equation of how to make it work, we'd all just do it, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, there kind of is to be to have some sort of career. If yeah. you're if you're polite and respectful and professional, mm. show up on time, yeah. all those sort of things. Yeah. But you, you still have to learn those partially through making mistakes as well. You actually do, and to, to kind of not be so hard on yourself that you guilt trip yourself over. Go, yeah. yeah, that was a bit stupid, but what is the learning? Yeah, yeah. let's and, let's yeah. set it up for next time. But it's great yeah. what you said. I remember reading an article one time on Flight Magazine or something years ago Harry Connick Jr. Jr. the interviewer was saying what's the secret of your your success and he said well my dad said always be on time and be nice to people mm. and I thought that was his answer it wasn't and I'm lucky that I got to study here and work with these people and of course talent is a huge ingredient but you can be very talented and and not get traction with with industry audiences if 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 it's not a joy to work with you, you know mm. what I mean? And, um, uh, uh, and so it's, it's finding the people you like to work with. You're not going to want to love working with everyone. Not everyone's going to love you and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But you do have to, it, it's, I would say it's probably virtually impossible to, to create these careers, these big careers by yourself. Yeah, you can't, of course. You, even, even if you hear rumors about those guys 
being assholes, hmm. then that, but those still have a, a group of people around them that are helping them record or promote or yeah. um, or talk or book venues or do yeah. do any of those sort of things. Yeah, and a lot, a lot of those stories are here, so we don't really know. There's probably worse stories about them and better ones. Like, mm-hmm. and, you know, people get exhausted on tour. You yeah. know, you're not always at your best, you know. In, yeah, in the days that. when it was that, <laughs> I'm on the road for a full year. I remember Warren Ellis from the 33 talking, talking to a mate of mine about when they first kind of broke it big because when Nick Cave discovered them they started playing with them and you know obviously we know Nick Cave and Warren Ellis have now been collaborating for 20 years plus but he said at the end of the, it was like New Year's Eve he didn't know what city he was in he was like crying under a bridge and it's like that's everyone else is like you guys are doing really well and it's like and I think that's a good memory to enjoy the place you're at at any given time because and that's obviously a lot of years ago he's doing very well now you know uh, but um uh, but but um uh, at, at, at any given time more success is actually more pressure there's more people who are making their living from working with you yeah, yeah. there's more it's just people work harder I think the more successful they get it's actually mm-hmm. it's a tougher thing and so some people have the resilience to be working on that high level and not all of us do I don't know if I do like I've worked on a level that I feel it's successful for me and 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 it's always growing or shifting or new creative projects that are that have got opportunities and, and I'm like you know Perhaps it will be on a bigger scale again at some point. All I can do is put the most into whatever I'm doing at the given time. And if something doesn't kind of work out to find its market, I can usually tell why it happened. You know, it's usually that I was juggling too many things and I had to kind of just leave that thing and go, I'm just going to set that aside. It's time will come. Those songs can just sit there and wait and be discovered, you know? (laughs) Songs are resilient, you know? They they would last forever. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Do you remember the first song that you showed to someone else? Oh, gosh. What, what does come to my mind is the first time I played a song to... I don't know if it was the first time I ever played to someone, but it was definitely very early on in my guitar playing. So I started off in school band and clarinet. It wasn't very interesting playing second clarinet. It wasn't at all creative uh, in, in the playing you know, Rocky theme, and I'd just get to go... Duh. I didn't even get to go da 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 <laughs> but then, and then thought you know that was the 80s and I thought sax was really cool mm-hmm. played sax for a few years didn't get far with that it was getting playing drums and singing that really I found my thing but drums just was like 15 I was like yes this is it <laughs> and that was, I really like beat all the notes out of my head by playing drums seven hours a day yes <laughs> <laughs> but but uh, and I had a schoolmate and we started a band P Harness that we had for many years very silly fun band and um uh, we we just support each other totally, particularly at the start of it. At the end, we were going in different directions, and that was natural, and it just ended, you know. But uh, but early on, it was so great having a collaborator where we just loved the same stuff, and it was out there, but it didn't matter. And having that support meant we built a really great band that got a really great following, even though it was really quite weird because we had each other's backs, you know. It was like yeah, and uh, <laughs> um, but I have to say, and it was around that similar time. I would have been say twenty. 21. 
to my honours year at uni. So I'd only been playing guitar maybe, picked up guitar, started learning at about 19. So I'd been playing guitar a year or maybe a bit more and just started writing songs immediately because I'd already been writing them on the drums. And yeah, was, you yeah. know, it's not the best <laughs> instrument writing, singing riffs while I drum. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> and I didn't even know how to play chords properly yet. I lived with someone who had some guitars and... And the lovely thing, because my brother's a really good guitarist, so guitars seemed weird to me because I'd played woodwind and brass yeah. and drums. And I'm like, chords seem like the weirdest thing in the world to me, and <laughs> strings. So I just, I started doing this thing where, you won't be able to see this, <laughs> but I had my, my, my thumb over the top of the guitar hitting the, hitting the bass string, and then my finger hitting the the bottom three high strings, I'd sort of do these chords and not play the A and the D string. And I'd sort of move it up and yeah. down. That was my weird style. Because I didn't know what even what open chords were. And it wasn't like you just went on the internet then. There was no internet. Mm. <laughs> it was 1989. <laughs> and, uh, and, um, uh, but I remember... That would allow you to have some pretty wild ideas, though. Because you're not, you're not strapped into like chord progressions and those sort of things. It, and, it did, yeah. yeah. And then I'm trying to work out some songs from artists I like at the time. It was like Tom Waits, Nick Cave, Leonard Cohen. Like I was really into them when I was like 19, 20. And I kind of had to work them out my own way. So I couldn't even make it like they sounded. And that's kind of good in a way. If someone's really opening up your world as a songwriter, but you can't copy it. It's actually a blessing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but what I was going to say in terms of playing to someone is that uh, my, my honours supervisor was Andrew Ford, who does the music show, mm -hmm. right? And uh, I remember sitting in his office and here I am with a guy who I'm very young and I've even no idea that he's like a composer and stuff. And I'm like playing in my like my funny crappy style. I play this song for him, and yeah, you know, and it's very intimate. Just two people in a room, and you're playing it right in front of them, mm -hmm. and this is. This is like intimate songs I haven't played to anybody, you know, and uh, and he kind of listened relatively respectfully, and, and I, I don't remember the exact words, but it must have just kind of cut just enough for him to go, oh yes, that's quite nice. I mean, I would have voiced the chords a little bit differently. <laughs> <It's> <laughs> a little bit of friendly advice. Yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, and I was like, if I had the repertoire, I would have said, if I could, I would. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, yeah, but what I felt was, so you hate my song? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah. I've done that. Oh, I, I remember showing the first... I, I had this big bravado when I was young to just overcome just people thinking that they're just going, that was not very good. So I was like, well, I'll show you. I'll write another song. Here we go. <laughs> oh, God. My, my first band, P Harness, like I just remember that sometimes we, we couldn't play very well when we started. We had really good ideas, but we'd only just started playing them, but we were excited. We, and we were into Dada and weird, you know, and we liked real experimental stuff as well as classic rock and 60s punk and all sorts. You know, We had all these all these myriad influences but it came down to we had a really elaborate stage show <laughs> but not very good at playing our instruments and we were a two piece you know well before just guitar two, and drums were cool a four. two piece we were, with an elaborate stage show yeah yeah, yeah that's, that's, oh yeah a lot of costume changes a lot of props uh, and um uh, uh and um uh, and I could only play the drums really loud and so I put a blanket <laughs> over my drums in little venues because Jeff only had a little lamp you yeah. know and uh but we but again a lot of musicians who were really good loved us because they were like, these guys just go there. They don't care. We actually did care. But once yeah. we were on stage, we gave it everything, it was... even if we, we it was not virtuosic. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but we'd occasionally get someone who'd just come up to us and say, why are you doing this? I didn't come out tonight. To no one should have to see this, you know. And, and, and it was quite a full-on show. It was... 
because we're, we're relatively sweet guys, we'd be like, oh, I'm really sorry you didn't enjoy it, rather than going, get stuffed. <laughs> I, I remember going to an open mic and uh, in Newcastle when I was, I, was, I was asking all my tutors, how do you get gigs? How do you meet musers? I just moved there from, from Tamworth. And I'm like, go to, go to open mics. And I get up and I play, uh, I, I just learnt Flame Trees. Nice. And so I get up and play flame trees and there's like three guys there and I finish and uh, the guy in the, the guy sitting next to the bar he goes, nah, kind of sounds like that. I was like, oh, oh. God. <laughs> yeah, it was wild. Look, and, and it's, it's interesting mentioning that because I've always, because I grew up with a mum and dad who really encouraged us to be creative, particularly my mum. My dad encouraged it, my mum actively didn't make us do stuff. She just instilled in me and my brother and sister that creativity was important and that we should spend as much time doing creative stuff as we wanted. And that has been, I think that's been one of the things that's been able to guide me through having a career because no matter, there's been times where it's all great and other times, of course, it's really hard. And, uh, but I've never felt that it was an option to do anything else, which is a really good feeling that it's, mm. it's my vocation. It's what I do, you know? And, uh, um, uh, but oh, I sidetracked myself by, by going back to childhood <laughs> to the point I was actually going like, oh no, coming back to, so I've, I've always done original stuff and I mean, I love doing covers, you know, and the, it, as well, but um, I think there's some real positives in the covers scene, we've been talking for a while now, yeah, around here too, where it's like, well, you can, if you do write songs too, you, you can play covers and you can hone your stagecraft, you can hone your musicality and you can get some money for doing it, but if you do want to also do original stuff, look at how that can then support you moving towards doing that. And I think a band like The Rich Picture is a really good example of that, where they're a really beloved covers band who do a lot of, um, you know, private gigs as well as public yep. gigs. And then they record this really catchy EP of songs, and then they do some shows of original songs. Now, it's a challenge sometimes to have the one name and to do both, but reality is you can make your career what you want it to be mm -hmm. reasonably. And if you do a well of what you're doing people are going to respond and yeah. uh and um yeah and so i think it's just that thing of making sure you if you do also want to do original music that you don't see that doing covers makes that prohibitive or that you think that no one because you're used to someone screaming out the end of their favorite yeah. song you know whatever <laughs> it is that you're not necessarily going to get that reaction initially to your stuff but Sometimes a quiet reaction is still a positive one. Like people could be having deep feelings listening to your song. Mm -hmm. You don't know. Don't don't assume because they didn't like throw their hands in the air that they didn't love it either. You know. And uh... Uh, Barnsley talked about that in his book. Um, the the difference between his cover like because Chisel was a covers band originally, yeah. and they they would pack out these venues um, as a covers band. And when they started doing original stuff, they would have this full venue here to see Cold Chisel. And then by the end of their first song, everyone would leave. Wow. And they, they like moved to Armadale yeah. to stop that, to like reinvent themselves. That's, that's a smart move. Yeah. Yeah. yeah which is pretty wild. And then obviously became the relatively biggest, successful. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> relatively successful. Yeah, yeah. Um, just before we, I know you have to run away, but, yeah. um, just before we get out of here, I really wanted to talk to you about, uh, alter egos, yeah, and uh, because that that do you perform under an alter ego like ninety percent of the time? Is that um ah oh, look, it's an interesting one. For years, my Michelangelo alter ego was my main thing. You yeah, know? and uh, was that always in front of the in the the, the, the bl black sea gentleman? Black sea gentleman started in two thousand, and mm -hmm. they're still going, and it's so great having a band of guys that 
we all believe in it and they're really invested in the band. I feel really blessed to have that. Uh, and it's pretty rare. Yeah, it is. Yeah. So, um, and then what started happening because I write a lot of stuff and uh, I started using kind of the Michelangelo uh, brand, so to speak, mm -hmm. across all my projects and that actually worked quite well. But what also, in terms of things going well and, you know, and, and me getting lots of work, but what I also realized is slightly confused. Some people who might come and see me in my surf rock band and uh, and we're <laughs> not speaking in an accent, but still being a fairly, you know, buoyant kind of stage presence. Yeah, yeah. And then they'd see the Black Sea Gentleman and I've got this whole European persona and, uh, you know, and the music is much more steeped in all sorts of, because I've got Croatian background, it's not specifically inspired by Croatian music, but certainly that band has helped me um, kind of imaginatively channel my European roots, yeah, you know, yeah. as a kid who grew up in Australia with a really Euro dad and that feeling like another world and I kind of built up my own mythical Europe within that band. In fact, within those songs before that band existed, like I was writing songs like that 12 years before the band came around, you know, and, um, and some of them written in my funny little yeah. style that yeah, are still yeah. in the band, you know. Um, uh, so for me, you know what an alter ego has done is actually given me more flexibi flexibility as a performer and, strangely, more honesty. Now, I'm not saying when I do a solo show as Michael Simic, I'm not honest, and the, the shows are good, they're just different. But but as Michael Angel, I can kind of say anything. Like, there's actually this sense of, um, I can I can poke a little bit more. Okay? And people like it, they laugh, because it's like they know they're seeing a show, so I can kind of actually really, whether it's emotional stuff, whether it's whether it's political, personal, whatever, um, I, I can I can improvise within that character. It's actually part of me. So that character has come to life to express part of me to go, hey, we need to talk about stuff, right? Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we just want it to all be feel good. You know what? The world isn't all feel good. You can come and see our show and be entertained and go away being elated. And part of that entertainment is the fact you're going to scour some depths as well as some heights in every song. You know, yeah. so, so I think that... You know, and that, the, the bigger Croatian influence would be my dad's personality rather than the, the, the music he listened to. Although, I, I have to say, all the old records he had that weren't Croatian totally influenced me, like the old Russian record he had and probably Zorba the Greek and Tijuana Brass and all these crazy Exotica records. I just made a Spotify playlist. I found all his old records online <laughs> and twang guitar and went, basically, this is all my influences. So, you know, discovering dad's records did have an impact, but... Um, uh, but, but, you know, I think having a father with such a big spread of emotion from the rear, so loving and so gentle and so harsh when the anger was there and so sad when he was sad. It's like this, we had this world that was melodramatic at home and it was real for him. He lost his parents as a kid during World War II. He had a really tough life. He fled communist Yugoslavia, came here. Then, you know, 60s Australia. It's not an easy place to be someone who can't speak English, you know. Racism was rife. Like, he'd had a rough life. He had something to complain about. But we, you know, it was that, like we were like his audience as kids. So, you know, it, in a way, me having this Euro alter ego allows me to take on some of that stuff that's part of me and actually make it into something positive rather than just being a victim of that, you know, and kind of being like, you know, yelling at people. I can, And people can take it in... Um, from the viewpoint of it being an artistic performance as well, and so so they, it can be presented as something to think about yeah. rather than Michael Simic's trying to jam this 
yeah. thing down my throat, that yeah. sort of stuff. I think so. And look, I don't know how you feel. I feel, other than a few notable exceptions, I think almost every artist, even if they're playing under their own name, has a degree of alter ego, oh, even if yeah. they don't, even if they don't, you know. I, think, I mean, tell them, take Courtney Barnett, you know, mm-hmm. Australian accent, look on it, kind of funny. But still, when she walks on stage, she knows she's performing. I can, you can see it in her body. Like, it's not, she holds herself differently to how she does off stage. That's not a bad thing because she's suddenly playing to 20,000 people or whatever. It's not making toast in the kitchen, you know? And in fact, if you were the exact same person in all those things, it might be quite weird. I think all of us have got slightly different faces we show to our partner or to our parents or to our kids or to our friends or to our work colleagues and they're all interrelated but if we did the exact same thing your work colleagues would be like Ooh, uh, stop oversharing dude you know and I think <laughs> yeah, performance yeah. is a little bit like that too it's like hey you can overshare here mm. and how can you overshare and not have people go jeez Mark's having a bad time <laughs> <laughs> I, you um, build it into a, a mythology, mythological world that's a mirror to our own world and mythology and storytelling has always been a mirror to the the human world to understand what we're going through, whether it's uh, old fairy tales or Greek myths or any indigenous stories or contemporary stuff. We need stories to help understand where we fit in the world, you know? Mm. Yeah. I did have uh, some friends over here for a jam the other day and uh, they laughed at me because as soon as I sat in front of a microphone, even in um, in just a personal context, they laughed and was like, oh, you put on your stage voice no matter where you're sitting. You're in your own house, in your own rehearsal room, with the friends. You don't have anyone to perform to except us two, and you're sitting there performing into your microphone. Where else are you going to practice it? Yeah, I suppose so. (laughs) (laughs) You've got to rehearse the way you want to perform. Totally. I mean, I don't think Freddie Mercury suddenly did really quietly (laughs) in rehearsal, did he? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, And I like it listening to your album too, that, yeah, I love the fact that, you know, first song I'm like right the lyrics are going there I love this you know it's like you're prepared to actually push the line a little bit and I think that's great I think we all want a bit of that whether we know it or not (laughs) I mean well I better wrap this up and get you out of here although I think we could probably sit here for another three hours or so this is part one yeah Yeah. (laughs) part one yes definitely (laughs) the best uh, do you want to sling some promo oh gee I'm uh no, I'm completely lost for promo now. Um, uh, no. Here you go. You sent this stuff to me. Okay. Oh, look, if anyone wants to... Yeah, okay. Yes, of course. I've got a, um, I've got a solo album that I recorded last year. Of course, like all good solo albums with heaps of collaborators and yeah. sounds like a full band. Um, with, I, um, with Stephen Lindsay at, at his studio in Crookwell. I've been the road. Great I had to listen to it today. I, I, was, uh, I was getting some uh, Billy Joel with a slash country vibes. Wow, I love that. I've never had anyone say that, but I'm happy with that. Someone else was saying they got a bit of Billy Idol out of it recently, so I'm like, maybe I'm channeling Billy. I've made a mistake. I was Billy Idol. Oh, there you go. Well, you're the second or third person to say that. And, you know, I'm actually, being a teenager of the 80s, I'm quite happy with a Billy Idol reference. Yeah, it was great. (laughs) It's like, oh, yeah, I can see you up there in your leather with spikes and singing some country music. It was great. Yeah, but um, I've got a show coming up uh, at Barrel Bowling Club on the 2nd of April with Abby Dobson supporting her, which will yeah. be great, from Leonardo's Bride. And um, yeah, it'll be doing more shows in the region as my 
job winds up at the end of April with as a regional music officer. Still have to keep feed, feeding the family yeah. and kids. So. <laughs> Is um, the best place to find you Michelangelo? Um, well, uh, yeah, if you if you want to um, find out stuff about my band, The Black Sea Gentlemen, there's our website, blackseagentlemen.com, and my Michael Simic stuff is all under there, so yeah. Yeah, sweet. S-A-M-I-C. So sort of dates and things will be on that, plus... Website uh, and the socials, you can find me. Yeah, yeah. not too hard awesome. to find. <laughs> Thanks for asking. I was so much on the, a trip to other places, that yeah. you brought me back into the now. we got to come back into promo yeah. land. Yeah, that's yeah. right. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> that's a good man. Thanks for coming in. Pleasure. Thanks for coming and hanging out at my home. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys. Don't forget to check out humecon.newsouthwales.edu.au for our upcoming events. If you missed our recent Hume sessions with Loose Service and the Doozies, don't worry. We have lots of Hume sessions coming up over the next year. Check those out. Local uh, artists coming in to perform for you guys. Uh, we also have some holiday workshops coming up in the school holidays. Uh, keep an eye out for those drum line workshops, guitar ensembles, and some kids singing ensembles for you guys to come along to, or send your kids along to. Uh, also, if you like chamber music and vocalists, Luminescence Chamber Singers are coming on April 2nd. April 2nd at the Hume Conservatorium, 3 p.m. Go grab some tickets for that. It's going to be really, really great. Uh, we'll catch you guys later.